All right, good morning, everybody. Happy New Year. Cool, man. It is so good to be with you guys uh, uh, this morning. I feel like I've been down south a lot lately, and so it just feels good to, to, to be here with you this morning. And uh, especially as we uh, look at this topic today, I gotta tell, I'm going to tell you right straight off, man, I am, I'm pretty juiced about today, and I'm really excited uh, to share with you um, uh, something deeply, uh, which I, I think God really has laid on my heart, and something that even has been very, very pertinent for me just in the last week as we talk about desires, so, uh, you know, how many had a good Christmas? Anybody have a good Christmas? All right. How many of you got what you wanted? Anybody? Boo? Oh, we got a boo over here. Oh, man. You know, so funny. I remember, man, as a kid, I never got what I wanted. I, I, I need to talk to my parents about that. It really wounded me deeply. Um, you know, I, it was just weird to me how I would make it really clear. You guys remember you get those big, remember when J.C. Penney used to have those big, thick catalogs? And you go through them, and I cut out all the pictures I want, and I'd stick them right on there and make, I made, you know, big poster boards for my mom and dad. This is what I want, you know, and I never got what I wanted. So now our kids are doing the same thing. Christmas was great for us. Our kids are, you know, four to, four to uh, eight. Thank you. <laughs> They're not nine yet. I'm right. She'll be nine in February. But uh, anyway... Four to eight, I mean, it was just absolutely crazy. And even Caleb, you know, he's cutting out little pictures, doing the same thing. And what was weird, so Susie and I, man, we flipped it, and we got them exactly what they wanted, you know? You know what's wild? You get your kid exactly what he wants. It's like two weeks later, they don't even know they have it, you know? It's just crazy. You get them exactly what they want, and it's like, well, that was great. Next, you know, I want more. When I, when I uh, look at this video, you know, I think um, people really got pretty philosophical and deep and all that kind of stuff. I'm going to get shallow <laughs> with you all. Actually, no, I'm going to go really deep. And I want to talk about what that last verse said up there. What really drives us? You know, what do you desire? You know, because there are lots of things we desire. There are lots of things we want. Um, food. Anybody desire food? Okay. Oh, there's my man. Food. I mean, sometimes I, it'll, it's weird how I can be driving all of a sudden. I just want, you know, like a double cheeseburger, you know, and I just have to have it and I'll go get it. We want stuff. And sometimes there are certain things that we just need to have, and we go and we do everything we can to get it. Sometimes it's prestige. Sometimes the thing we really desire is I need to know that I'm important. I need to have a position that values who I am, that validates who I am, and we'll start giving our lives to that. Um, Anybody want relationships? I mean, we're made for that. We want relationships. Anybody want sex? Anybody? Are you a bunch of liars? (laughs) Wait, is this church? Can't talk about that. No, I mean, you want, there's a, there's a deep drive. But then underneath all of this stuff, you guys, is really what we want, is we want what gives us peace. We want what brings joy to our life. We want what brings purpose and fulfillment. And ultimately, I think what we want is satis- what satisfies us. And so when we're talking about love today, lots of times what we'll say is, man, I love that. I, I, I love it. I want it. And what happens, you guys, is when you want something, when you really are talking about your desires, it actually drives you. You will find out what you love by what drives you. Because, man, when you want something, it captures your heart. That's what happens. Your heart gets captured by it. And then the next thing you know, whatever that is that you love, it demands your time, doesn't it? I mean, when you love something, the next thing you know, it's like... I, I, I got to give my time. I got to give my time to this person. I got to give my time to this job. I got to give my time to this recreation or this hobby or because I, I love it. The next thing you know is and then it starts to demand your money. <laughs> and one of the things you can know is you get a paycheck and whatever you love, man, it's like it never misses coming out of your paycheck. 
Because I love this thing. I want this thing. I want to experience it. So I give, I give money to that. I, I want this type of house. I want this type of car. I want this type of stuff. I want to go on vacations. I want to travel. What, what is it that you want? All you got to do is just look at your checkbook and go, man, this is what I love. Because I make sure when my, when my paycheck comes in, the things I love, I, I write them out and, and I get them. And then next thing you know, it, it, it grabs your attention. You, you think about it. All day long, it'll pop into your mind because you love it. It demands your energy. If, if you think about the thing that you love, you go, you know what? I've, I've only got so much energy. This one thing's going to get it. This person's going to get my energy. Or my job is going to get my energy. Or the thing that I just love to do and play is going to get, whatever it is. And then ultimately, what you love, you guys, what you love is really what drives your decisions. As a human being, all we do all day long is make decisions. And what we really do is every time we make a decision, we make a decision based on what we value, what we think is going to be best for us. That's what we do. That's what human beings do. I, made the, I don't know why you're here. Some of you got dragged in. As we always say, we saw your heel marks coming in. So thank you for being here with us. Others of you, I mean, for some reason, you want to be here. And so you made the value decision to be here. What you love drives you every day. So here's my question for you. And I want you to really think about this. What do you want? What do you want? What's driving you, man? What's causing you to make the decisions that you make? Where's your money going? Where's your time going? Where's your energy going? What do you want? Okay, now let's get spiritual. What is your desire for God? What's your desire? Desire. Didn't Kevin do a great job? It was a great song. Man, what is your desire for God? You know, because we'll say, man, I love God. And um, has your heart actually ever been captured by God? Has that ever happened? Where next thing you know, it's like, man, he actually is in your thoughts and he starts driving your decisions and next thing you know, your time and your energy and your resources start to go to him because you love him. And um, the reason I want to talk about loving God today is because there was a time where a guy came up to Jesus and he said, hey, out of all the commandments, you know, that are in here, which one's the most important? Which one's the most important? And here's Jesus' answer. It's in Mark chapter 12, starting with verse 29. He said this, The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. The month of January of 2010, our series is The Only Thing That Counts. That's what we're talking about. Because again, in Galatians, Paul says, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. It's the only thing that counts. So you can do all this other stuff, but if you don't have love, you got nothing <laughs> again. And so when somebody came to Jesus, man, what's the most important thing? It's, man, you got to love God with everything you've got. That's the most important thing. And so last week, what we talked about was how critical then it is to know the love of God for us. 
Because John also said, here's one other thing. You, there's no way you're ever going to love like God unless you know how much he loves you. So if you weren't here last week, I beg you to grab the, get online, you know, podcast it, do whatever you need to do to listen to how much God loves you. Because, I, man, you want to talk about desire. You want to talk about passion. The heart of God desires you so much that he would give up everything, that he would go through excruciating punishment and death that was totally unjust just so he could be with you. I mean, the love of God is nuts for you. It's crazy for you. So if you don't know that, and if you don't know that, what the Bible says is then you'll never love him with everything you've got. You'll never give him all your heart, soul, mind, and strength until you know that he gives that to you. So if if you missed last week or if you struggle with the love of God, make sure you listen to last week's message. But So here's my question, though. So if God comes to us and we read about it and we go, holy smokes, the love of God for me is so unbelievable. What's our response? What's our response to being loved that much by God? Can we say, man, my response is all my desire, all of my heart, all of my devotion is centered on God. So this morning, my question for you and me is this, is do you love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength? It is the only thing that counts and it is the most important thing. And here's, here's the key, ruts down south. And we were working on this message together this week and it just hit me. I said, you know what, you guys? Here's, here's the crime today is you and I have bought a lie. And the lie that we've bought, hook, line, and sinker, is that it's okay to love God with mediocre devotion. We think it's okay to give God part of our heart. Because the most important thing is to love God a little bit. Right? Come on, I'm here. (laughs) To love God with some of my heart, you know, some is for me, some for God, it's cool. To love God was, I mean, we have bought the lie. Because if Jesus says the most important thing is to love him with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength, and we live our life, I think, not doing that, then we got a problem. See, because if you love God with desire and with passion, if he's captured your heart, then you know what happens? Then when it comes to time, you go, man, I can't help but give God my time. I just, I love him. I mean, is there anybody that you love passionately that you don't need to spend any time with? Or that you don't want to spend any time with? You know, your wife, is that what you said? Who said that? (laughs) All right, all right. So, but uh, but seriously, like, and so it comes to God and we go, does he get your time? And then when you get your paycheck, what happens? Man, you, what you love, totally. You just, you, you pour out your cash on what you love. So if God looks at your checkbook and goes, man, dude, you love me. Does he, do you love him with all your heart? Your thoughts, your energy. When you make a value decision, you're deciding what you're going to do with your life. Does he even get in that mix? Or is it what you want? Or is it what God wants? See what I'm talking? So, so today, you guys, here's what I'm going to ask you. I'm gonna ask, can you be honest with yourself today? First. Let's just be, let's just be honest. I'm telling you, Let's not play any games today. This is such a great day today. You and I have such an unbelievable opportunity to walk out of here completely different than we came in. And, and, it's, and the cool thing is, is it's all up to you because he's here. He's here. He's searching your heart. He knows your heart. 
He knows what he has for you. He knows the plans he has for you. He knows the life he has for you. And he loves you with every part of his being. And his greatest desire is for you to have the full life. Jesus came so that you could have life to the full. Now, the only way you have life to the full is if your heart is fully devoted to him. And so, so your chance today, first of all, is to say, will you be honest first with yourself about your heart and about what you love? Secondly, will you be honest with him? Will you lay your heart before God and say, God, you already see it, so I might as well show it to you. <laughs> and, um, and then I'm, I want to pray for you today. Right now, right here, right now. Um, Because what Jesus said, he said, the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. See, one of the things I've learned is I can't change my life unless God starts driving me crazy to change my life. Anybody else relate to that? But when God touches my heart and I start to feel his conviction, I have the chance to change. Now, I'm not going to get to this till later in the message. But I want to tell you two desires today. Number one, God, your creator, the lover of your soul and the one who died for you desires your heart completely. All of it. I should have said that one second. Whoa. See, that's God. He's getting, he's here. Okay. Um, I have a desire too. It, it, it hit me last night when Susan and I were coming back from Sherlock Holmes. What a cool movie. Um, my desire is this. I want you to experience what I experienced last week. See, this is really fresh for me today. And I'm going to share more later, but I know what it is to not love God with all my heart. And I know what it is to experience the conviction of the Holy Spirit and to respond to it and to have the life that He has for me. And if you could taste today and the following week what I've been able to taste this week. God, I desire that for you. So let's pray. Father, you know our hearts are so prone to wander. You know that we are so apt to just get caught up in things that are not what you want and things that we want and... um, And you know us and you love us deeply. And so, God, I just want to, I know that you're here, but I am asking that we, this would so not be a normal church service today. I am asking in the name of Jesus that in this moment, you would come through the Holy Spirit and reveal to us our hearts and reveal to us your love and the vision that you have for our life. And we'd find what you want to give us. And I pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys. So uh, here we go.
The first thing I want to say is all of us are in this boat of not loving God with all of our heart. Okay? Can I just ask you, how many of you would say you love God? How many of you love God? Okay, can you, I mean, you're in church, you've got to raise your hand, so I, I knew that would be a really foolish question to ask anyway. But, um, but, I, I do wanna, but I do want to say, how many of you struggle to love God with all of your heart? Anybody? Okay, good. Okay, this is an appropriate message for today. Now, we're all in this boat, and let me tell you why. First uh, John uh, chapter 2, starting with verse 15, kind of helps us to understand where our dilemma lies. It says this, don't love the world or anything in the world. Okay, now... It doesn't mean don't love God's creation. It doesn't, I mean, God's creation is good. It's, it's, I mean, we're supposed to, we are supposed to care for it and love it. It's, when he says don't love the world, what he's talking about is there is a, a way of the world. There are the patterns of the world. There are structures within the world. And those types of things, when he, says, when he says, man, don't love the world, what he's saying is there is a way of life that is so completely different than God. And don't love that way. Don't do it, okay? Don't love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, because we're talking about love, then the love of the Father isn't in him. See, because when, and again, does God love the world? I don't want this to be confusing because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. See, when he's saying that, he's saying, man, I love everybody in this world. Again, what this is saying is the love of the Father, though, does not love the ways of this world, the ways that we get caught up in. The ways that end up destroying our life. The ways that ruin our relationships. The ways that get us caught up in things that next thing you know, you're captured into a lifestyle that you never wanted to live in the first place. And now you're addicted to something. You're, you're, you're not in control. You, you, you know, next thing you know, you're, you're way off on this way in this pattern of living. And you go, how did I even get here? I didn't want this at all. See, God hates those things because then he knows you don't get to live the life I created you to live. Okay? So we got to not love the things that God doesn't love. And then he goes on in verse 16, for everything in the world, and, and here's where I think we can relate, the cravings of sinful man. Okay, anybody got any of those? Dude, I, it's unbelievable to me. All, everybody does. It's just, you know what? It's I, my flesh, the cravings of flesh. I want to be satisfied, man. I want to feel good. I want some pleasure. I want some comfort. And we crave those things, okay? That's one of the things we got to be careful of. The cravings of the sinful man, the lust of his eyes. I mean, what do we do? I mean, I tell you, you can't, I mean, TV today, right, is nothing, but as soon as the show's off and the advertisements come on, it's like, dude, you got nothing that you need. You need, and if you have what you need, you need more of what you need. You got, I mean, and so we go around as Americans because we can get, and we are the lust of our eyes. I want more. I got to have this. I need this. I need more of that. I need bigger. I need better. And God says, oh man, just be so careful of that. Okay. Don't love that way. And then the last thing is in the boasting of what he has and does. And literally, right from the original language, just means pride. Then it's all of a sudden, look at me. Look what I can do. Look who I am. And you start to depend completely on yourself. And then he says, the world and its desires. Because they're there and they're in us. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. So, man, don't love the ways of this world. So I just want to share with you guys, uh, you know, you guys, anybody heard of Solomon before, you know? Uh, Solomon is this great king in the, in the Old Testament, and um, he was the son of David, right? And uh, David uh, was the king uh, who was after God's own heart. It was one of the greatest phrases, I think, in all of Scripture. David, the man after God's own heart. So David's passion, his longing was for God. 
Now, how did David do? Did he do a good job? Okay, yes and no. <laughs> you know, pretty wild. Man after God's own heart says, I want that naked woman now. And she's mine because I'm the king. So I will take her and then I will kill her husband so we just get this over with. Do you guys know that's in the Bible? That's the man after God's own heart. Okay, interesting. So, but the thing about David is you find out that when he messed up and when he screwed up, Psalm 51, write it down, Psalm 51, amazing psalm of confession. Because David was a man after God's own heart. And when conviction came, he responded and he gave his heart back to God. Well, Solomon grows up and he gets to watch his dad be after his own heart. And so uh, when, when David was getting ready to die, Solomon's growing up and he looks at this and the, and the king's up there and he's like, man, right now God's saying just right now at this time, this is good. The way things are going, people are following me. The leadership's following me. This is great. And so then David stands before Solomon. He says, now I'm going to charge you, Solomon, in the sight of all Israel and of the assembly of the Lord and in the hearing of God's, be careful, Solomon. Be careful to follow all the commands of the Lord your God that you may possess this good land and pass it on its inheritance to your descendants, just like I'm doing to you. And you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the Lord, the God of your father, and serve him whole with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind, for the Lord searches every heart and he understands every motive behind the thoughts. See, so Solomon starts off his kingship and he's going, okay, I've watched my dad do this. I get what it is to love God with all your heart. I've just been commissioned now as the king and my main commission is love God with all my heart, (laughs) okay? And initially, it starts off great. God comes to Solomon and says, hey, Solomon, what do you want? (laughs) Okay, just so we asked you, what do you want? God comes to Solomon and says, what do you want, Solomon? And here's Solomon's response. He says, uh, um, give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people for who's able to govern this great people of yours. And here's what God said to Solomon. He goes, since this is your heart's desire. Wow, Solomon, how cool, man. What you want is actually just to govern my people well, so you want wisdom? Wow, since this is your heart's desire and you have not asked for wealth and riches and honor or the death of your enemies and since you have not asked for a long life. In other words, since you didn't ask about things for yourself, this is pretty crazy. He goes, but for wisdom and knowledge to govern my people, therefore, wisdom and knowledge will be given you and I'm going to give you wealth and riches and honor too, such as no king has ever seen. I mean, this starts off good. Solomon's going, man, my heart wants to serve you, God. This is great. Okay, man, tide turns like really fast in the story. And all of a sudden, the cravings of the sinful nature and the lust of his eyes and his pride start to take over. Let's find it. The first first example where we find this is uh, David really wanted to build a temple for God. He really did. God wouldn't let him do it. He killed too many people. (laughs) There's too much blood on his hands. He goes, yeah, I, I can't have you do that. But your son can do that. So one of the coolest things, anybody ever been to Jerusalem? Anybody in here? Okay, a few of us. Man, when you stand next to the temple, oh, it's un, I mean, it's just oh, it's mind-boggling to imagine what this was like to be there. And uh, so Solomon is the guy. He gets to build the temple for God, where God's presence is going to be. This is amazing stuff. And then it goes on in uh, 1 Kings chapter 6. And, and when he built the temple, it was 60 cubits long, 20 cubits wide, and 30 high. 60 by 20 by 30. And it took him seven years to build this thing. And you would, when you look at it, you would see why. Seven years. 
And then, right after it says that, in chapter 7, look at this, chapter 7 of 1 Kings. It says it took him seven years to build the temple. It took Solomon 13 years, however, to complete the construction of his palace. <laughs> Interesting. I love the word however. Let's just camp on that, okay? See, because we have this deal. It's like, man, dude, I built the temple of God. However, when I built my house, it was like twice as big. Because that's what it is. It goes on, it says, he built the palace, and it was 100 cubits long, 50 feet wi- cubits wide, and 30 high. Instead of 60, 20, 30, we're talking 160, 20. I mean, you see the picture here? And it took him almost twice as long to build it. So what we've got here is, here's a guy doing the will of God, building the temple. However, he's got some other stuff in his life. So here we all are. And I don't know where you're at in your journey, but you could be sitting here saying, you know, man, I love God. I build temples for God. However, if you really looked at my life, okay, probably twice as much goes to me. So, interesting. First sign that Psalm's got a problem. The lust of his eyes, man. I need something bigger. I need something more, and I need it for me, okay? The next thing we go on is, um, is uh, in, in 1 Kings uh, 10, there's at the end of chapter 10 is just this list of the unbelievable blessings that Solomon has because of what he's done. His splendor, you guys, in his day at the height of his kingship was unbelievable. It was just crazy. So it just lists. You can read it whenever you want. At the end of chapter 10, just all the blessings that Solomon had because he was God's man. And then in verse 11, or chapter 11, look at this. In midst of having all of that, King Solomon, however... Now, there's that word again. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter, who was his wife, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonites, well, no, Sidonians, just used to heights, Sidonians and Hittites. They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after other gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. I, I, I apologize for this, but all I could think of was Austin Powers here for some reason. Um, just this, this dude who's just, you know, he's got love. But, I, I just, but Solomon, you guys, somehow this guy is caught up in it. I mean, it's crazy. He had 700 wives. A poor man. 700 wives of royal birth, 300 concubines, and his wives led him astray. See, so here's Solomon, and we got this bishop. What, what is, what's going on here? Solomon has all the blessing in the world. All the blessing in the world. However, the lust and the cravings of his sinful nature led him astray. And then it goes on. In verse 4, and it says, As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father had been. He followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of Sidonians, and Moloch, the detestable god of the Ammonites. Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and he did not follow the Lord completely as David his father had done. 
You guys, it, just so you know, uh, it gets so crazy here because eventually what, what Solomon started to do was to worship gods that would have like full prostitution outside as part of their celebration to this God in complete defiance of God's ways for purity. These gods would offer child, they, people would offer their children as sacrifices to these gods. And because Solomon's heart got, it was, man, I want to do what's right, God. And then eventually, somehow, his cravings got a hold of him. The lust of his eyes got him. And the pride of his life took over. And next thing you know, he's not worshiping and loving God with like any of his heart. In fact, he is promoting the worship of other gods which are completely detestable to him. And so, I just... It's just, I, I guess what I want to, why, why it's good to look at that story is just a reminder, this can happen. And it does happen. And it happens a lot. And God doesn't want it to happen. So we think it's okay. We've bought the lie. As long as God has part of my heart, it's okay. I can totally give these other parts of my heart to God. Or I mean, to, to myself, you know, and do other things. And what we don't realize is those other things can lure us step by step. It's, it's the frog in the boiling water thing, right? Where you just put them in the water and you slowly turn it up. And next thing you know, man, you're just sitting in the boiling water and you die. And you don't, you, how did I get here? How you got there was when you started to desire other things more than God. You didn't stop. See, when Solomon got all of his wives, it says he held fast to them in love. And he knew point blank this wasn't God's will for him. So this is where I'm going to... This is where I'm serious, you guys. We got to really think about this. What are you doing with your life? And if your heart isn't fully devoted and completely God's, it's not okay. The most important thing is to love God with all of your heart. So let me just stop for a second and help you think about this. Like, what's missing? What's missing in your life when you aren't loving God with all of your heart? I, I just, I thought about the things that, that are missing in my life. One of them, you guys, is freedom. I, like when you're following God completely, there's a freedom. There's a freedom to be the man or the woman that God created you to be. There's a freedom from guilt and condemnation and all that kind of stuff because it's just not happening. It's not there. There's spiritual power, you guys, that misses See, for, for some reason, we want God to help us be everything that we've got, but we've got all this other stuff inside our hearts. And we want power to live the life that God has for us, but we just... You guys, you aren't going to have spiritual power if the Holy Spirit who gives you that power is just busy going, hey, you can't, stop doing that. Stop doing that. You know, blessing. When you don't love God with all your heart, you know what? All of a sudden, the, you know, Solomon lost his whole kingdom. He had it all. And God goes, dude, not anymore, man. I just, you can't mock me like that. I just got to let you know, you can't mock me. You are going to reap what you sow. So the blessing of God on our lives, he's not going to bless our life when our heart is completely given to other things. 
that are not his way. So just right now, do you want the blessing of God? That would be a good question. Do you want God's blessing? I, I do this all the time with, with people when I do premarital. Uh, and so if, if you guys just know if you're ever going to come to me, man, we, we, we want to get married, and, and, um, but, but we're living together and we're having sex together. Okay? So do you want God's blessing on your marriage? Yeah, absolutely. Well, then stop, like now. See, because if you want God bless our marriage, even though we're totally living in a way that's detestable to you, um, see, those two don't work together. God says, what, what fellowship can light have with darkness? Doesn't, you can't do other God's ways and my ways at the same time and want me to bless you. It just doesn't, it doesn't happen. So the blessing of God is dependent on us keeping in our hearts right with him. You know, the other thing I realize is when I'm not, uh, when my heart is not totally God's, um, you don't get blessed either. And that woman doesn't get blessed. And my children do not get blessed. That's not acceptable. I'm going to swear and just bear with me. What in the hell, literally, are we doing with our lives? Because when we buy the lie that it's okay to love God with part of our heart, He does not get honored. The people we love do not get blessed. And we don't live the life he created us to live. And that is from the pit of hell. And I just want to tell you today, you guys, you don't have to live like that. My fall was awesome. Man, I was experiencing God. Unbelievably. You know the Old Testament story of manna? You know where they woke up and they had to give him manna every day? That's what I was experiencing, man. I was experiencing God giving me what I needed every day. It was awesome. And I don't know what happened in December. Well, I do, actually. Um, I know exactly what happened. But in December, somehow, the best way I can figure it out is I, I wanted to escape, I think. You ever want to do that? You ever get to the point where your responsibility is too heavy and you just want to break? Wow, be careful. There's, a, there's a, that great verse that says, run the race marked out for you and throw off everything that hinders in the sin that so easily entangles. And you guys, I let stuff hinder me. And I just started saying yes to my flesh and just doing what I wanted to do. And I'll be honest with you, none of you would even think it's sin. Because I don't even know if it was, but... 
But eventually, about two-thirds of the way through the month when God was going, okay, Nelson, enough. <laughs> enough. You know what my response was? Uh-uh. Not enough yet. See, and when you do that with God, man, the spiritual power in your life's amazing. The blessing you are to your family is nil. And then, once you start feeding your flesh, remember, what's that movie, uh, Rocky Horror? No, not, not, not that one. A little Shop of Horrors. Remember that one? Yeah. Feed me. Oh, okay. Feed me. Oh, yeah, this feels good. Feed me. Yeah, this feels good. Feed me. Right? If you're feeding your flesh, you guys, you know what the enemy's going to do? See, because then he's going to tempt you with sin. Because you're so used to feeding your flesh, you're going to do whatever you want. And as soon as the temptation came, now, what do you do? I want you today to experience what I've experienced this week. I'm guessing right now, you know what's in your heart. That's not of God. You know where you're not loving him. You know where you're hoarding your own stuff for yourself instead of giving it to him. You know where you won't forgive somebody even though he's forgiven you. You know where sexual temptation has taken you way beyond what God wants you to do. You know how you've been bitter, how you've been gossiping behind somebody. You know how you love your job way more than God. You love your stuff way more than God. Maybe you love people way more than God. And I'm just telling you, it doesn't have to be that way. I am so grateful that God loves me so much. He won't let me stay there. And I know today, I know today, He doesn't want you to stay there either. Because He wants your life to be full of His power and His freedom and His joy and His peace and His righteousness and His blessing. And He wants you to be a blessing. And I'm telling you, here's the deal. You know your sin, and God knows your sin. You know what? I knew mine. And I even knew that God knew it too. And nothing, Susie asked me yesterday in the car, when did it change? You know when it changed? When I sat down alone with God, and I actually confessed my sin to God. You have to actually lay it before him in all honesty and say, God, don't just admit that it's sin. Confess it as sin to God. Because when you do, when you feel godly sorrow for what, how you're living your life right now, and you lay that before him, then you know what happens? He will give you every opportunity to be free. And I can tell you guys, the gospel is true. Jesus died for everything. 
And when you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And I can tell you this week has been absolutely 180 from last month. Absolutely. And so can yours. So throw off everything that hinders and get rid of the sin that entangles. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength today. Today. Don't play the game anymore of church kind of half-baked, mediocre thing that God loves to spit out of his mouth. You guys know that verse? He hates it. Today. Be free. Completely. And here's how we're going to do that. There's a three-by-five card all over the place on your sheet. And I'm going to ask you today, right now, if, big if, if the Holy Spirit today has been convicting you of your sin today. Or even if it's not sin like mine, maybe it was a hindrance. Mine was so much wasted time, you guys, on stuff that doesn't matter. I was giving my life and my time to frivolous stuff that didn't matter. She matters, my kids matter, you matter, and in the month of December, I mattered. (laughs) You ever been there? Who matters to you today? See, if you matter, if God's kingdom isn't that big of a deal, because this is like, man, it's about my kingdom right now. (laughs) That's not okay. And if you feel that today, if the Holy Spirit of God has said this right here, oh, even it it could be tiny, you guys. It could be a tiny thing that you know you're just not being faithful to God in. If you'll confess it to God today and repent of your sin today, and turn back to God today. The Holy Spirit will refresh you. Turn to God so that times of refreshing may come. And some of you need it. And can I just tell you this? Not only do you need it, the people you live with need it. This church needs it. I know you need me to be walking with Jesus or what I offer you is squat. But guess what? If you're not walking with Jesus, then what you offer this place is squat. And neither of them, what I offer and what you offer is no more weight to God. So there you go. Ben, why don't you guys come out? Take this card. And if God has revealed to you what it is that has captured your heart more than him. And, and this is a big one, and only if you mean it today. If you want to say what I said last week, no more. No more. Then I want you to write on that card what it is. No peeking. Write on the card what it is. And as we worship him, Worship Him. Worship Him. Get on your knees right now and worship Him. And let Him have His rightful place in your heart again. And you will experience the life you were created to have. So there's a box right up here. And you guys... When, when you're ready 
and you mean it, and he knows, you know, if you mean it, you're not walking out of here living the same way you walked in with. If you mean it and you want to confess it to God, take your card, come up here, and as an act of worship to the one who loves you with all of his heart and wants you to live the life he created you to live, then you lay it in here, and then you come back and you worship.